Hi everyone. If you like what you've been hearing, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com backslash Hegelbon. That's H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. The Patreon's really the lifeblood of the podcast. It lets me dedicate the time that I need to play the games, to talk to our guests, to really set everything up and, and make everything as sharp as it is. Um, without it, uh, no cartridge really wouldn't exist the way it does today. If you don't like monthly pledges, I totally get it. Uh, there's also paypal.me backslash Hagelbon, and we can try and figure something out there. Or you can email me at nocartridgeaudio at gmail.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, and I will try and answer your emails as quickly as I can. Thanks so much for your support, and enjoy the show. Strunk Hagelbot on Twitter, and I have with me um, one of, I don't know, you guys have like 8, 9, 12 members at this point? Um, we have the same amount of members as when you were on. Thank you. <laughs> we have four members. That's uh, right, four one members. Of four. I know who they are, too. Um, I do, actually. I was I was just yanking your chain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're, so we haven't had, uh, we haven't had uh, Tom Violence or uh, Lucy on the show. But you will be our second Bunta uh, on the show after Andrew, uh, which is really exciting. I'm happy to have you. Uh, we have Theo from Bunta Vista. I'm sure you've all heard his dulcet tones uh, telling you about Australian politics before. But in case you haven't, uh, you should be listening to his podcast, which is very good, and uh, following his Twitter at Ayn Randy. Hey, okay, that's welcome. where I come in. <laughs> yeah, that's, you can come in there. I usually say welcome, and then people come in, but. I just I like Buenta Vista so much that I just I uh, just kind of like went on a rhapsody there. Thank you. No, and oh, yeah, if, um, if people aren't aware, um, uh, of course Trevor has been on the show. We did two episodes way back in the day. This is like episode twenty-ish. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was on hand. quite early. Um, but they were great episodes. We had uh, I remember having a great time um, talking about uh, all sorts. Um, whether Roadhog was daddy. Um, I'm sure we something else, pro- probably something else as well. I mean, uh, it's 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 a real shame that um, I mean it would seem it would seem wrong to revisit it at this point um, with me coming in because of course now so many other people are daddy in, uh, in canonically in Overwatch that uh, I feel like Roadhog is sort of uh, left out in the cold. Yeah, it's truly really a renaissance of daddies. I think um, <laughs> we're experiencing in gaming right now. Um, Who's you, who's daddy to you? In your mind, who's daddy? See, I, I don't play Overwatch. I can't. Well, I mean, just in any game. Oh God, Geralt. <laughs> Geralt, Geralt oh, is insanely one. daddy. It seems. That's true. Um, it seems like a lot. Um, and of course, um, oh, now I've lost it. The guy from from Red Dead One. Oh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, John, right? John Marston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. L- literally, not daddy. Arthur. Arthur is not daddy to you. Arthur, I think. Um, see, I, I'm not. I'm not that far in 
Um, I'm sure okay. we'll get to it, um, but I'm only like chapter two. So I haven't really... Uh, my information's still not complete. The picture is still being painted as to whether Arthur Morgan is or is not daddy. Yeah, I uh, I think you may find Arthur to be daddy as well, um, if you find oh, John to be daddy. Fantastic. Um, yeah, no, it's it's good. I mean, problematic um, as, you know, only... Only oh, the, uh, a dark yeah. daddy. Dark daddy, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely dark daddy. Um, no, I, I, yeah, it is, I think you're right. It is a renaissance, renaissance of, of daddies out there, and, uh, and we're just lucky to be here to, to witness it and be part of it. Um, so, you didn't come on to talk about daddies, and I, I planned to ambush you. And talk the whole episode about it, but you gave me the topic you gave me was more interesting. So I'm oh. gonna let you talk about what you want to talk about. Okay. Um, you're welcome. Uh, which is well, I mean, so I'm um, as we as we briefly chatted about before um, off pod, I believe we say in off the, pod uh, yeah. in the business. That's, that's what we say. Um, right. I'm uh, about to go into my third year of of a full time uni degree while also working um, several days a week. Uh, it is hell. Um, my body is shrinking rapidly and ossifying. Um, cool. But as a result of this, um, I have no time. I have no time for anything. Um, and of course, one thing that takes an extremely large amount of time is gaming. Um, Correct. And at the same time, I kind of, we, we've had some juniors start at our job and I was, I can't remember how I got onto it. I asked um, one of them, you know, hey, do you, uh, do you like play games or what have you? And he's like, no, games are boring. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Games are boring. Um, so I'm sure this will really resonate with your <laughs> um, vast fan base of people um, love people who hate games. Boring. They really, yeah. Welcome to welcome to anti gaming radio. Fantastic. Um, Glad to be. Here. No, I mean, they, they there is a boring element to them. Um, yeah. That's right. So I kind of wanted to like. So that's my that's my thesis. Games are boring, and a waste of time. Uh, and I will spend the next hour uh, undercutting that thesis. I think, uh, and try, <laughs> well, I mean, trying to find the trying to find the the way in which that is not true. Well, I mean, I think you know, like just just to start off, and I think like finding out the way it's not true is actually more more useful than like than just being doing the academic thing of like that's true and it's why I love it. But I will do that anyway and say that the one the one thing I really like about about um, one thing I really liked about video games, particularly when I was an academic, um, was that it was like a way to sort of detach from being an academic for a little while. It was a way to have like, you know, coherent, cohesive um, goals. And, you know, I didn't have to worry about like, oh, Jesus is like is um is what I'm talking about here, like what I'm doing, is this the end game or am I on a draft or whatever? Yeah. Like it was like, okay, there's a mission objective. I have achieved the mission objective or I have not achieved the mission objective. It is yeah, like absolutely. And, a and binary you, thing and yeah, dull and, and that and is while great. you're playing, you also can't, uh, it's, it's very difficult to hold another thought in your mind as well. Absolutely. So if you're, if you're, you know, midway through some horrible academia and, and you just sit down in front of the TV and, and do whatever, you know, and you're watching it, uh, I don't find that detachment in the same way that, that that gaming is. It doesn't fully remove you because you're not a participant in the in Yeah, the no, not at all. I think you're absolutely right. I think, like, it, if anything, um, you effectively are 
it, gaming has this really interesting like duality where you're not just doing something passive, although you are, and you're not just doing something active, although you are. It's not quite like reading a book, which is so active that it doesn't always feel like a break from academia. Mm-hmm. And it's not like watching a TV show, which like while you're doing it, as you say, you could be like, well, I should really be working on my dissertation right it's, now. It's so passive. And, and you can also do the same things. You could also be doing both at the same time, which I feel is the worst of all worlds. Yeah, sure. Where you're not quite doing the work that you're supposed to be doing, but you're not quite participating in the escapism either. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Um, that's the worst because you, you end up just like wasting a ton of time watching TV and, uh, and it, it does you zero good. Yeah, but but I think with, with with gaming, right? So so going back to what you were sort of saying with um, detachment, um, it's there. There needs to be something there. There needs to be some sort of engagement or, or a base level of engagement for you to to experience that detachment. Um, and I think you know probably I think we're probably getting a, there's a bit of a, a backlash against it. But I know certainly through the 2010s. Um, we experienced this this huge like embarrassment of riches if what you were looking for in gaming was a thousand hour long checklist that you need to go through to complete the game yes um, absolutely the assassin's creed games the you know everything by bethesda um just I mean, assassin's creed is still sort of setting the bar for that odyssey was just by by all accounts even people who love my friend Mark, who loves Assassin's Creed games, uh, said basically he had to take a break in the middle of Odyssey and be like, yeah, okay, I have to stop. This is too big. We're feel- and we're feeling burnout from playing games because they're not engaging or wonderful in a lot of times. They're, they're just um, a slog, a menial task that, that needs to kind of, that kind of get through. And, and I, um, again, like I feel like there's a bit of a backlash of of late against this but there's still this element that says um you know it's a bullet point to have a a million hours in a game to to be able to of of content to get through and all this sort of stuff but what if you're if you're playing for this and you're you're not engaged and this is time that you could be spent um doing something else right and i feel like we are pressured to do other things at the same time then Uh Especially when you're an academic, especially when you're in school, because you're you're never there's never an unproductive moment. Like this yeah. is something that I've struggled with a lot. Oh yeah, where like you're never you're never not productive. You're never like there's never a point where you're like, well, I should go to bed now, or like I need to relax now because there's nothing else I can do. It's always like, well, there's something else I can there, do. I'm there behind is on something absolutely. And this this sort of digs into something that I, that I've felt a lot in the previous couple of years, where even if I have probably less less work to do than I have time to do it in, which is very rare, but, but occasionally you say, I get out ahead. You can't. It's amazing that you ever do. It's, it's incredible when you, when you do, right? Um, but even then you can't enjoy yourself, um, especially sure. if a game is, is a collect-a-thon or it's a, something that's not pulling you in or engaging you. Then instead of detaching and, and going, you know, this is, you know escapism and, and I'm, I'm part of this, all I can ever think then is this is boring and this is a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame that gaming's sort of starting to become that 
for me because I because I don't think that that's the way it needs to be. So let me ask you, like, what? And this is a fairly big question. So if you if you don't have an answer for it, that's okay. But mm-hmm. what to you would be like not a waste of time? Like, what what is what is like a, a productive or good use of time in your mind? With gaming or or, or no, just in life? Because I mean, like. I mean, just generally within life, because you, yeah. you're sort of like I, I reson, I what you're saying resonates with me, where you're saying like, okay, yeah, like the the problem with gaming is that it, it feels, in fact, like feels viscerally like a waste of time at, at points. Yes. Um, and yeah, for sure. Um, but in the back of your mind, you're always sort of imagining something you could be doing right. So, like, I'll give you mine. Mine was always, especially when I was in the academy, it was always like I could be bettering my CV or I could be like mm-hmm. increasing my ability to be on the job market or yep. I could be a better candidate or whatever. Right? Yeah. Like, so what counts for you? Like what is what is the thing that video games are not doing? Effectively? Yeah. So so that's I mean, that's a really sort of um, it's a big question, like you said, and it kind of I think the question itself speaks to, I think, where we are in this sort of. I would say rapidly devolving post-capitalist sort of uh, or, or late capitalist um, landscape where your time um, and your productivity is constantly being measured and reconsidered, right? Like that you're yes. supposed to, you know, it's seen as, as being um, admirable to have a second job, you know, to be driving um, an Uber or, or doing whatever, or especially within my current profession, you know, as a, as a programmer, to be doing your side projects, Right. Yeah, you have to have an app that you're working on. You right? have to have like an app or a game. Like anyone can make this now. There's no, there's no barrier. You can any. Like I've got Unity and uh, Unreal Engine, all this sort of stuff. And when's your a, uh, when's your uh, Slenderman game coming out? By the way, <laughs> um, someone already put. Have you played the Slenderman game? No, I just I know there are a bunch of them that people make on Unity that are of yeah. varying quality. Sometimes <laughs> they're good, and more often than not, they are not so good. Uh, no, no, keep keep a lookout for my um, for my very original roguelike coming out in twenty twenty. Um, <laughs> but that but that's the thing, right? Like you, you're supposed to. Everyone's got their their code repository online and all this sort of stuff that they're like constantly doing. You know, I've got my side projects, and if I'm not working on my side projects, when, even when I'm on holidays, um, you know, right. when I'm when I legitimately have nothing I need to achieve, right? Um, the house is in order. I'm making enough money to to pay my mortgage. Um, even then, when I'm not doing these things that are that are creating value. Right or creating something, uh, even if they're not escapism, then I feel bad. Then I feel like like what I'm doing is a waste of time. And it's not true, right? We can't right. be doing this our entire lives. We can't be just working and working and working. But I feel like that that is the way that things are laid out now, that things are, um, are shown oh, as, as to be for respected. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that strikes me about what you're saying is that like it's not even it's not even a level of like okay I I enjoy this more or somehow like you know this thing that I've deemed to be more more important to do is something that gives me more uh fulfillment mm-hmm. like for me personally like I would always feel bad if I wasn't you know working on my dissertation or you know trying to publish an article or whatever and like now that I'm having articles published or like you know some of the articles that i had in you know editing 
uh, academic editing hell for you know however long, uh, in some cases years. Um, you know, it's like they're being published, and it's not like I'm thinking, oh, geez, I'm so I, f- I feel so fulfilled that these are out here. Like I'm glad people can read the work I care about. Like no, I I just I don't really care so much about it. Like there's there's some thoughts on poetry I had in 2013 and. Even then, I probably didn't feel super fulfilled writing them. It was just kind of a thing I had to do. Yeah. So, like, it's not as if, like, the things that we do that aren't wastes of time are somehow more fulfilling. It's just that they tick a box that's more seemingly important. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. Um, and I think it's a con, right? Like, I don't believe it, but it's one of those things that I feel at the same time. Yeah, you don't have to. Well, that's ideology. That's the that's the whole that's the that's the the purest example of it, where you you believe that the thing is not true, but you still uh, your your sort of like heart and soul believes like sort of reacts in the way that yeah. makes it true. Like your lizard brain is t- attuned to a place where yes, okay, what I am what I produce is all that I'm va- I all that's valuable about me is what I produce. Like it's, yeah, it's that, nothing else. That that's right, and that's and that is like I I think I really think that that's getting worse. Right, like oh, I, yes, I, absolutely. I really feel like like now is a time um, more than ever where we are not allowed to be static. We can't be stationary. We have to be constantly, constantly moving to stay competitive. Right, competitive against what I don't, I don't know. But if we're not producing value, then we do not contain value. Yeah, you don't count. Right, you don't like count. The, the and and this is this is of course you know. Even in gaming, right? Like this is something where you think about the you think about Twitch streamers, right? Um, people like Ninja or whatever. Um, even someone like PewDiePie, where like you know, love them or hate them, and in most cases, hate them. Um, they exist as the um, you know whether or not you find them repugnant because of their politics or whatever. Um, they exist as markers of this of this problem, where like okay, even this the most unproductive thing of all time, spending, you know, 12 hours playing Fortnite or whatever. Um, even this is now um, something that can be turned into something productive. Like, yeah. oh, so you're you're just playing Fortnite. Are you getting good enough to stream? Are you, are you building your audience? Are you making a brand? And, like, all of a sudden it's like, okay, so this thing I did for fun is now... Um, is now a job too and should be a job and everything has to be. Yeah, that's right. We're, we are monetizing our relaxment. Right, absolutely. Um, and it's shocking. And, and so I think the net effect of this, um, and especially as um, things tend to crunch from both sides as far as time pressures uh, and, and our own self-value um, goes, that, that the first thing to sort of pop out under the pressure, I think, are the things that we that we marginally enjoy, um, such as gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not, I mean, it won't be, it won't be like, you know, morally or ethically speaking, it's not going to be your family. It's not going to be, you know, the, you, you, you attach moral value to the idea of reading of uh, the idea of sort of cultural work. Um, you know, these things you say marginal value and I think that's right. But I also think it's, you know, the things we understand to bring marginal value as well. Yeah, where it's like okay. In fact, like it's not just that they produce that we get marginal enjoyment. It's that like we know, um, sort of instinctively that these things are not important. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, I don't want to speak for everybody here. I'm sure there are people listening along that are frowning and shaking their heads and going, "Oh no, no, I don't, I don't, um, I don't feel that way." I I come home and I know that's time for me to relax. 
Um, and good for you. If that's yeah, the to case. USA. Yeah, you may not possess um, the um, DSM uh, categorization that I call mega anxiety. Um, so <laughs> that, that, you should, that you should, might uh, be nice. You should patent that. Yeah. Um, that's something you should get on. You should patent that. Yeah, I should. I should yeah. monetize my my mega anxiety. Um, that'd be that'd be great. Um, I mean, why not, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, and I agree. Like, it's. I think this comes. This comes when you're existing in like a a weird precarious job, um, and and you know, in some ways, you ostensibly are moving to a place where this will not be the case when you get your degree. Insofar as it's in like a, a trade. Um, of sorts. Um, I think electrical engineering still counts as a trade. Um, I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't uh, know. But, but the, you know, like the, at the same point, I hear this from people who have like very normal jobs. So my wife has a, has a nine to five job. Um, it's a, it's a normal job. And she was saying the other day that she always feels like she has, you know, she has to bring home work. We were talking about like, man, how much, like we're going to have so much time when the kids grow up and move out of the house, um, ostensibly they will do that. Um, and if they don't, then we'll have time because they don't want to spend all their time with us <laughs> every waking second. Yep. Um, yep. but you know, like we were talking about the time and she was like, yeah, we're going to have to make sure we don't just work all the time, which is true. I mean, she's not wrong. Um, but she was saying, you know, it's, it's so much different now with computers, with, with all the things that we have. Um, you know, our parents could come home and that was it. Like you did, you couldn't bring the office home with you. You, that, you were done. That's right. Yeah. No, as you were saying that, I was, I was just thinking that, 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 that there, there used to be these very distinct boundaries that you hop in your car at the end of the day. Um, you drive your 1964 Oldsmobile or whatever the hell home, um, <laughs> right. you know, and you, uh, you know, knock on the front door and go, honey, I, I'm home and that's it. Right. Like that's the, that's the end of your um, of your work day. Because, of course, what else could you do, right? Like, what else could you possibly produce because you are, in fact, home? Like, you're you're not at the office anymore. You're not in the confines of where the production happens. You can't, you can't, um, you can't bring that to bear because, you know, the only place the production happens is the place where the production is. But now we take it everywhere, right? Yes, like, with us. We can yeah. take the production with us. Um, yeah, no. And, and like, even, even she, like with, with a, with a very standard night, like she's in, she's in the office eight to four, uh, very normal. Like this is that the only kind of job she would want, but it is, she always, she's always taking stuff home. Like she, she has stuff that I think if we were both single, we would probably work most of the weekend, mm-hmm. not both single, both without kids. Like we would probably work both most of the weekend. Certainly yeah. if we were single, God, that would be a, <laughs> just be workaholics. But, um, yeah, it's like, it's there's no escaping that at this point in, 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 uh, you know, late capitalism. Yeah. So, so how do we, how do we stop that from happening then? How do we, how do we teach ourselves that, um, that relaxment has, has a value that, that your own, you know, um, self kind of, um, sanity really um has has value all of all by itself and that you are allowed to waste time right um you know and and i don't i don't really really have all the answers there and i I really i really think that it's probably going to only get more difficult for us i think as as various sort of global pressures um start to increase you know um whether we're galloping towards a, a climate uh, apocalypse sort of thing 
Um, I think whatever whatever the the causes, we will find ourselves valuing our time more and more. And so I I, I think as a as a result, um, then people will will continue to or, or be, start to reject more and more um, games that don't respect their time um, and yeah. games that don't don't sort of respect um, that that people cannot just simply devote themselves um, heart and soul to it for 400 hours anymore. I think there's like, there's a, there's a, it's interesting that you say that games that don't respect your time, because I I think that's a useful way of framing it. Because of course, like, it's not just that we value time differently. There is a positive element where it's like, yeah, you shouldn't just like, if, if if a game studio is not doing something that is worth playing, you don't have to feel like obligated to play it. Like there's, yeah, no, we're not we're not in a world where this is like the only thing you can do. You have options. You don't have to do something you don't like, and that's that's good. That's um, I won't call it empowering necessarily, but it's it's not unempowering. It's it's good in its way. Yeah. But th- the other arm of that is like, and and this is something that you made me think of is that you you have to like. I think in order to to change any of this, we're going to have to rethink what we understand as um, time, like what we what we think time is. And you know, I've I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but there's this um, uh, American economic theorist named Gary Becker who's uh, probably been as um, you know, let's call him negatively relevant uh, to this phenomenon as anyone in the world. Sure. And uh, Becker's Becker's whole point is, yeah, you know, now that now that we have things like education and, um, you know, Becker would have gone nuts for the, for, you know, taking the, taking your work home with you. Like they would have loved that. Um, now that we have all these things, uh, you know, the old Marxist idea and he was no Marxist, but he, you know, he used the term, um, the old idea of, you know, capital, right? Like, you know, who has the capital? Well, the capitalists have the capital, the, the factories, the capital, like all these things, like that's, that's how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now that, we are um, in a world where we can get education, where education is free, where like, or not free, but uh, available, where like, you know, all that really is left is for you to invest your time correctly. Um, you are the capitalist and, and yeah. the, the, the main thing you have is what it was called human capital. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's a, it's a scam in a lot of ways, but he's not totally wrong in the observation. And of course, like it's a, it's a bit of chicken and egg, uh, you know, Becker's work is extremely influential. So, did did he get it right, or is uh, is are people just aiming that way now? But it, it totally is true. Like you value education, so you should be constantly working to better yourself. Um, the only reason you're not making enough money right now is because you haven't done the right things to make enough money right now. Like put it in your own hands, get used to it, and you know, use your time better. Yeah, that, that's um, and right. That and that element and... of like use your time better, I think, is really important. Exactly, and and you know I don't think that um, I, I think that that theory is is you know f- from on the face of it entirely correct, but the takeaway is sort of is is wrong because um, or, or not not wrong, but it can only lead to misery, right? Um, yeah, when his you're... his reading of it is 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 very dangerous. I think. Yeah. In so far as like the the if the takeaway you get from Becker is that this is good, right? Like this makes us the like the freest we could possibly be. Um, we we do not we don't have to rely on like uh, 
arbitrary class distinctions in order to become capitalists, we all can become capitalists. And like, were that true, that would be great um, in, in one way or another. Like, you know, you can imagine if you if you think that could ever be possible, you can imagine a sort of just capitalism that exists in the in the fantasy world of like we can all be, you know, as rich as our boss um, if we just try hard enough. But we also know that that's certainly not the case. Like we know based on even other people in the Chicago school that like scarcity and and supply and demand and all of these things are very important in terms of like understanding the capitalist market. And if you believe all of that, then no, like your human capital can only get you so far. If there's a whole marketplace full of college grads, um, yeah. you're just going to have to be better than every other college a- grad. Somehow. Absolutely. Right. And, and, and to do that, then you need to convert your time, which is capital into actual capital, right? Like, Correct. and so, Correct. so to do this every single hour of the day, you are attaching a dollar figure to time spent. Um, you basically become you basically become the like the sort of like um, small what, what what I think uh, the guys on Street Fight um, uh, Radio effectively call the sort of uh, uh, small business tyrant. You essentially become that of yourself. Where like any any wasted time you're looking at and you're like, well, I could have used this time to do this. And you, right. you chastise yourself and say like, this is something I could have done instead of this thing I did that. I felt I needed it at the time or whatever, but what has it gotten me? What what have I earned from it? Um, yeah, and and the, it's not like it's not like this is getting rid of class, right? We're still sure no. <laughs> we're still stratifying ourselves into these these layers of of classes, but it just it just ends up being how much is your free time worth, right? Like if right. I can if I'm going to spend however much time mowing the lawn, well, I could be converting that time into programming, which I'm quite good at. I can make a product make more of that. So I'm doing this internal kind of, um, you know, this, this dollar figure. So I'll pay somebody else who I believe sure. their time is worth less to come and mow my lawn while I'm programming because I've got the skills to do this, um, to convert that. And uh, all the while, um, nowhere is considered, um, nowhere is leisure considered. Nowhere is the, is the fact that just existing is worth um, considered. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think, like you know, you think about you think about that that problem of like, okay, we've never we we don't consider leisure anymore. And you look at people like even the, even the ultra rich, right? Like the you look at people. I mean, Jeff Bezos is a, is a weird example, um, and and sort of like a, a a silly example because he's just so incredibly rich that it does it's sort of he's interesting in that regard, but mm-hmm. he doesn't tell you that much, I don't think. Yeah. Um. But. You know, you look at someone even even somewhat slightly less rich than Bezos, like the Kardashians or whatever, and these are people who who in the past would be living these like hyper louche lifestyles where it's just like complete and total, you know, uh, bacchanalia or, or leisure or like laziness or whatever. And 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 you know, in in the past, this would have been seen as as earned or somehow somehow valorized in a moral way. Who knows? But. Now it's like, well, you know, they have to put out clothing lines or they have to do this or they have to do that. And it, it, people will say, like, well, don't they have enough money? And it's exactly the wrong question because it's like, sure they do. <laughs> it's just that's not accepted as an OK thing anymore. Like, you can't just have enough money. That's yeah. not that's not anyone's end goal anymore. The end goal is always, always, always to push it further. Yeah. Well, so I think then um, and, and you're you're right. Like these people have more money than they will ever need in in. 200 lifetimes, right? They could just sure. stop. Um, but that's, that's frowned upon. You know, what we need to do is extract more capital 
um, by you know monetizing every every moment. We need to publish lists of of this is what my day looks like, itemized down to the hour, and yeah, how I'm that's so a really successful. Weird trend. It's so weird, right? It's so, so sick. <laughs> so, and the only person I think um, who has gotten this right, truly right, um, I think a philosopher and a great mind of our day is Frankie Muntz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who made like $20 million not, from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> he not made like I, $20 million for Malcolm in the Middle, and then he cashed out. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, he basically just like started racing cars. And, you know, it's funny because like I'm even thinking of my own response to when uh, Frankie Muniz uh, Frank, Frankie Muniz, sorry. Yeah. When you said Frank Luntz, I thought, I, I thought you meant like the, the Hillary... A guy, and I was like, no, wow, no, no, no. I, no. I, I am, just sorry, Frankie, Frankie Muniz. I've just got a brain thing. <laughs> I am very excited to see how how Theo pulls this off. Um, but no, you're right. Like, you know, I even remember my own takes when that happened. Where, where like, man, you know, talk about a waste. Like, this guy doesn't need to become a race car driver. He's never been good <laughs> at it. Like, he's like, you know, he's an actor. He's just he should be an actor. And the answer is like. What if he doesn't want to be an actor? That's like, right. What if he just wants to quit right now? What, what if, if he, he doesn't want to, to make like... more money? Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, not wanting to make more money is not a sin. Um, it's it's you know, and it's it's a position very few of us find ourselves in to be like, okay, I've decided that I've made enough money in my entire life. I'm going to just you know retire to a life of leisure. But the the truth of the matter is, like, no one even thinks that that's possible anymore when. I think like even a hundred years ago, that would have been considered um, the ultimate goal. Like, okay, you do enough work and then you can retire to a full life of leisure. You're allowed to just become like a, a, a gentleman of leisure or something, yeah. right? Like that's, you read so many novels and that's just like a thing that completely disappears. That's right. Um, and, and that's just sort of, I think, um, you know where we where we are, and and so the thing that sort of again gets tossed out are our, our the things that we the things that we enjoy and that we don't have time for, right? Um, right. Yeah. Seeing absolutely. as though this isn't ostensibly a gaming podcast. Well, no. I mean, it's it, it always comes back to it. <laughs> you have no idea how many people say, "I know this is a gaming podcast, so I need to get back to game." <laughs> it, always, it always gets there. It always gets there. Um, but no, you're right. Like it's it, and and this is why. I mean, this is why. There are sites like and it's sites that I use, like howlongtobeat.com. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to that site. It is it is a, a good site in some ways and a truly, truly destructive site in others. Because mm. um, you, you can even import your entire Steam library and say, how long would it take to beat my Steam library? And see, like, okay, this is like, this is a ridiculous amount of time. I'm never going to do this. Mm. Um, and that's no good. But you know, you look at it and you're thinking, okay, I remember I, this happened to me when I was, I was doing my, my 2018 list. Um, I really kind of went overboard doing the list for giant bomb because it was like the first time anyone had asked me to write a 2018 or write a, a game of the year list. So I really wanted it to be good and I wanted to play as many of these games as possible. And so like I was going through all of them and I was like, okay, how long would it take me to beat Celeste? How long is it going to take me to beat this? How long? And it says, okay, 18 hours. And it's like, okay, I'm going to factor in 18 hours to do this, and I'm going to do that. And that's like, there's something so antithetical to gaming and, like, putting a clock on it. Unless you're yeah. doing that for fun, like speedrunning or whatever. But there's just, like, it's it's such a crazy way to do gaming, where you're just like, okay, this ought to take me this long. And if it doesn't, I'm wasting time, or, like, I'm not doing this very efficiently. Um, 
literally the opposite of what leisure is. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And it's sort of, I think this is, you know, um, something that I, I really wanted to talk to as, as well is, is the amount of time that, that um, it takes to kind of beat games. And I was sort of thinking about, like, what games have I beaten? What games have I enjoyed, you know, leading up to doing this, this episode? And, you know, is it just short games? And that sort of thing, but I don't think I don't think it's true, right? I don't think that necessarily a short game is a good game or a long game is a good game. Um, there's this thing that we kind of, you know, we, people love putting out these tools that kind of look at your Steam games and go, "You've got all these Steam games, and you um, and you haven't even beaten these ones, or you just keep buying them, and you'll play three hours of of one and go to the next one, and you'll buy it and you'll pay th- play three hours of that, and, and you'll never beat anything. Like that's a bad thing, right? But this is this is the thing to me that the games. If, a, if games aren't engaging you, if, the, if you're not finding a sense of wonder when you're playing it, there is no shame to moving on to another game. You probably no, have I, a million in is, your library. Imagine how you talk, imagine people talking about books that way, right? Like imagine people saying like, oh, you got this whole library and you only started Anna Karenina and then didn't like it, so you stopped. <laughs> um, I'm probably a bad person to talk to about this because I have... Um, forced myself to grind through infinite jest i mean um, i respect that a lot actually maybe <laughs> uh, i'm the gravity's wrong rainbow to make this point uh and um mason and dixon um, wow good work <laughs> just I, but i mean like I, I i respect that and i think it's cool but i think it's cool because it's not normal right like i think it's cool because it is it is out of the norm um if people talk about gaming like that all the time, like, oh, you bought Red Dead. Well, that's going to be 90 hours of your life down the drain. You better you better prepare for that. And it's like, well, what if what if I start really, and many of my friends this happened to like, what if I start playing and I don't like it? Like, do I have to put the 90 hours in? Like, and yeah. you'll hear people say one or, you know, a number of things. But some people will be like, yeah, you paid the 60 dollars, but you have to put the 90 hours in. <laughs> and. That's like that's just not a way anyone talks about any media. Yeah, and I mean, like that comes that that definitely kind of tags into what we were saying, like putting a dollar figure on your leisure time, right? That oh, you say, for well, sure. I need to get this many dollars per hour out of this, or hours per dollar rather, out of this game, and it's not true. And and you know, to talk about people that have started playing Red Dead and then stopped. Well, I've started playing Red Dead and then stopped. Right, like I'm up to chapter two, and I stopped playing it, mm-hmm. and I went back to Hollow Knight. Yeah, because I was enjoying Hollow Knight more. Now this is a, a podcast about Hollow Knight, um, <laughs> so prepare yourself. Um, it's a great game. Because I, I legitimately think that Hollow Knight is one of the best games made in the last ten years, um, and I it's this this sort of. So when I was when I was saying, well, it's not necessarily short games that are good or that are appealing to me, because long games can be good too. They just have to respect your time. And Hollow Knight is the case that I had in mind, where I've got I've probably got about forty hours against it, which is a mm-hmm. decent yeah. amount of time to play a game that cost me twenty dollars, um, made by two people out of um, South Australia. Um, was it an Australian game? I didn't realize that. I didn't yeah, realize yeah, Team yeah. Cherry was out of Australia. Team Cherry out of Adelaide. Um, just just two guys with you know peripheral staff and that sort of thing. Um, an incredible... Are you required to buy the game as a result? Absolutely. Well, 
we don't, I mean, we don't have to buy the game. It's sort of paid for us by the taxpayers. Um, I know you guys sort of have this scheme where you have to, like, if you want to play a game, you've got to, got to buy it, you've got to pay money, uh, you've got to make sure. If you don't want to buy it, then, you know, you've got to make sure it's in network. Whereas for us, um, it's sort of, we've got this single-payer game thing going on. Um, Classically, Australia, the place where uh, games and other exports are, or imports are very cheap. <laughs> classically very cheap our dollar does extremely well and doesn't cause us to pay more for no reason um <laughs> but it's just two guys out of out of adelaide um and they made an incredible game that absolutely respects your time and i oh, and yeah. while i'm playing it um apart from and i'll just put the criticism right up the front you spend a lot of time going from from spot to spot um with that said um everything in this game is wonderful Everything in this game is a new delight that I just enjoyed uncovering like a, like a fresh truffle. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so you go to a place and you, you find the floor shakes and you break through it and it's an entirely new area with entirely new graphics, new music, um, new bosses. There's like, there's got to be like 50 bosses in this game. It's um, amazing. And I like, I actually, I found that I didn't know that one area was there. I, did you have the experience of like... Oh, absolutely. The B area, I had no idea was even an area until well, I, like, I, I looked up yeah. the fact. And someone was like, yeah, you get this thing that you're looking for right now in the B area. I'm so like, I broke through me. there by accident, right? But there's plenty of places that I didn't. So like God Home, for example. Yeah. Um, just hidden away. This, this multi-dozen hour uh, addition to the game um, that you would never know is there um, unless you went looking for it. But no one's complaining that they can't find the content because there's just, like I say, hours and hours and hours of absolutely unique and delightful um, content uh, in there. And they and they respect the spirit of discovery absolutely. and the spirit of wonder. It's right, a good way to, go, to put it, respect the spirit of discovery. I think they, they really do that in Hollow Knight. And like part of that is, I mean, part of that is just that they... I don't know, like every edition feels intentional. Uh, I was saying this about um, uh, God Tamer, the the most recent and uh, non, I think the last non-Hornet-related uh, um, DLC that'll come out. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's effectively a boss rush. And, you know, I know people, mm-hmm. some people were disappointed that it was just that. But what I found while playing that, they have a, I don't know if you've played much of that, that part of it, but they... Uh, you can you basically have to beat all the bosses again and you get to mm-hmm. choose when you fight them and you know who you fight and whatever it's 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 very fun it's not at all like um it's not onerous by any by any means uh, and it yeah. certainly isn't required but you can one of the one of the most difficult elements of it is it asks you to fight bosses without losing one without being hit even once and what's so cool about that is far from being like impossibly difficult or like irritating or like, okay, geez, you know, this random boss, like fine. I'll just see if I can't beat them this time. It is, it is just like a testament to how well designed oh, those yeah. bosses are. It's amazing. Yeah. Like it's, it's absolutely incredible to play those bosses and try so to do taught. it. Yeah. You're just like, Oh yeah. Okay. I can see, I see how this, you can one-shot this. I see how you can get yeah. through this. Like, it, when it you opens lose up to, game, to you in a new way. Yeah, when you lose to bosses in that game, my feeling was never, this is bullshit. I got hit when I wasn't supposed to get hit or, or right. what have you. It's like, oh, no, no, I just need to avoid that. 
and I get killed yeah, by I, the next thing. I'm like, oh, I need to avoid that too. Like um, another part of respecting your time, right? It, like it, it's it's a learning process as opposed to just like a brute force. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and there's a couple of things that I want to kind of talk about, like touch on 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 how this game structures itself to respect your time. Um, and and there's there's two things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which we've talked about, where the content there is a lot of content, but it's all unique, right? So like yep. I've always bounced off Skyrim, for example, right? Um, where you go to a new place and there's nothing really unique. You, the, the unique stuff happens in the city. Everything else out there is just to fill hours. You go, there's the same dead body crushed under a set of rocks masquerading as Miss on scene. They transferred that to Fallout, where in Fallout it's always the dead person in the bathtub masquerading as Miss on scene. Um, <laughs> But but you go to the place delightfully delightfully cruel commentary I like it. <laughs> you go you go to the place right and there's a dungeon you go through the levels at the end you pick up a randomly pe- generated piece of treasure right that's that's not unique content there's just a lot of it right whereas all of the stuff in in Hollow Knight even the boss rush stuff um, is wonderfully presented it's it's new and every time you go to a new place you're like oh holy shit what is this right like yeah. what what tale is this place telling um you know you think of the of the thing like where you get to that area in the side um on the sort of on the east of the map and there's bodies just raining the whole time and you go like what is going on here and you don't yeah. find out for like 20 hours yeah and it's it, and like that it, and the thing you find out there is i mean similar to similar to the god home stuff you know you you find a part of the game that in so many other games uh, would be just like the focus of most criticism, which is that there's a Coliseum, right? Like there's a Coliseum section and uh, you know, the, the element of the Coliseum section is just like, Oh great. Now we have a Coliseum. So, okay, great. I'm glad you felt like you needed to do this or the, in God home, it's like, okay, Oh great. You finally found the platforming section. Okay. Like, let's (laughs) go ahead and do this. Yeah. But it's not that it's it. Cause it, it works so well. Like they do such a good job. Uh, yeah, that, that's right. Like so much of this is like, oh, this would be inexcusable if it wasn't just so well done. If these guys yes. didn't execute this with like the absolute mastery. And I feel there's something to be said there about about the team working on that versus the modern approach where uh, you'll see studios spread out across the world. Um, and their content, because of the because of the geographical distance, because of the communication involved, both with with geography and the, the hundreds of employees working on modern games at any one point in time, the content has to kind of slot in without interrupting things around it. Right, it needs to be plug and play. Right, Correct. and you, there's there's a lot of stuff that people talk about um, with the approach that they took building the last two Assassin's Creed games, where you've got overseas, um, you know, not not the core studio. And they're like, here are the rules for making an area. And they'll just yes. go up and set, a, set up an area around those predefined rules. And they don't tie into anything. You can't have things, you can't have this area reliant on that area because this team's in, in Sydney and this team's in Chicago and this team's in Mumbai, right? Like, um, you, you lose all of that and you lose the kind of the, the, the self-integrating world, which is what half of what Hollow Knight, I feel, is, is about, like very much like a Dark Souls game where the whole world twists around itself to present a new angle uh, or a new perspective to itself every five hours or so. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think like that, that in, you know, people talk about how 
Hollow Knight has Dark Souls DNA. And I think like yes. ultimately that is what is Dark Soulsy about. Absolutely. The game to me. Because the because the cheap comparison is oh you lose something when you die and you have to go and pick up your 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 body. soul or whatever right right yeah. and that's just the thing that gets you back into the battle but that's not the Dark Souls influence the no. Dark Souls influence is like what we said before where you break through a wall and then suddenly you're seeing the backside of an area that you saw you know ten hours ago um, or you're like finding this new boss that just looks like something you would never expect. Um, you know the 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 interlinkedness of the world, uh, and this is this these are things that are not trivial that you can't just like plug in like a sound sample in a in a song that that samples uh, an artist that influenced you, right? This is this is the very structure and the soul of the of the game, which which takes you know deep skill to implement, and the the reason why yeah. why Dark Souls is good is because not because it has these mechanics, but because it's well made. Right, and I, I yeah. think like that's the, one of the things that strikes me about Hollow Knight is when people talk about its difficulty. Like, I did not find the base game particularly difficult. Um, <laughs> I thought it was. Jeez. I know that's a weird thing to say. I'm not bragging, um, but I I didn't find it super difficult. I died a lot. Like, I just kind of expected that as part for the course. But like, it didn't. It never felt like I was slogging through the game or like it was super hard or something. Like Celeste. I felt was super difficult, even though yeah. I loved that game. And I think it's a brilliant, brilliant game that also in many ways does the thing that you're saying Hollow Knight does. Um, and I agree. And that respects your time. Um, but it's very hard. <laughs> it's very, very hard. I found Hollow Knight to just be much more linear, much more comfortable. Like I, I knew what to expect. Some parts were harder than others, but it didn't like it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, the main thing of this game is how hard it is. Like the main thing is the is the is the as you say like mise en scene like like it it is a place and that really is the thing about it that Absolutely. is most notable. Yeah, and, and and what a wonderful place as well. Um, the but the other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about how it structures its content is this. And we've kind of alluded to this a, a bit as well, where it's clear at most times, if not all times what the core game is and there's a very clear um signpost that mm-hmm. comes in very very early in the game that says you only need to get here to finish the game right i know you can see the track just goes off into the distance um and then that track is surrounded by you know cobras and things that will you know tear your face off <laughs> but it's okay if you only get here Right, like that's the end of the game, right? Um, and I know plenty of people that that have have finished the game at like eighty percent completion or something like that. They've reached the very obvious, very well signposted, um, very real ending, and gone. That's okay. I'm. Um, that's enough for me. I'm happy with and that. I've, right. And I've gotten there. Right. Whereas in like a game like Skyrim or the Bethesda games or, or you know what have you. Um, there's the feeling that, that that's not even the real journey, right? The real journey is everything else that happens. Yeah, I mean, especially it. Skyrim. Everyone hates the main story in Skyrim. That's right. It's it sucks, right? Whereas Hollow Knight has this core, this main story, which is like, you know, seven out of ten difficulty. Um it's completable by most everybody, uh, and it's and it's wonderful, and then it ends. And then you have the the post game stuff. 
um, right. that you can continue digging into um, until you find your level, until you find the point where you say, well, look, um, I've had enough. That's, that's good for me. I've got Radiance left to beat. I haven't beaten the last trial. Um, last trial is actually very hard. Oh, it's, it sucks. And the, um, and the, the um, hidden platforming section as well and also Nightmare King difficult. Grim. Yeah. yeah. So there are these things where it's like the, the game takes another step up to say, you can do this. Like if, if this is the kind of challenge that interests you, you can do this and you will continue to be rewarded. But it's okay if you don't because you've finished the game. Right. That's all right. Like you can move on now. There, there's nothing. Um, you're, you're free, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think being like, released of this. There's also like there's also something to the idea of just having an ending to a game. Right. Like, yeah. I know that sounds it sounds silly in a certain way to say like because of course games end like that's I think, you know, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, but here's the point. Like developers are constantly looking for the holy grail that would make it so that games didn't have to end. Right. Like what if my game was the last game you had to buy? And this is the yeah. Fortnite problem where it's like, OK, um, has Epic and, and, you know, they haven't like it's not Fortnite is not going to be the game forever. Just like, um, you know, uh, uh, Source is not the, the game forever or um, TF2 is not the game forever. It's just the game mm. for now. Yeah. But like, you know, I'm sure Epic is hoping that it is. And, and most games hope this, right? Like the big open world games hope this as well, that you will never stop playing it. Um, like that's so crucial. And it's what I love about Hollow Knight and you're saying it right here is like, it isn't about that. Like, it's not, okay. Yeah. This game is going to go on forever. That's kind of how it works. Yeah. We've got these. Yeah. You've, you've finished, um, you know, um, having a nose to this particular grindstone. Um, but we've got another arbitrarily larger grindstone coming up for you. So look out, look out for that in, you know, quarter one to align with our earnings. Plan, and and know? like so, one game I've been playing a lot of, and I I, I just streamed the other night, um, is uh, is Earth Defense Force. And the the cool thing about Earth Defense Force is it's a totally massive game. It's very dumb. Um, it's very fun. But Earth Defense Force never tells you that like the story it's telling you is important. It never says to you like, oh, this is like what you're what you're doing here is like an important narrative that you need to finish because like. That's what you do with important narratives. You finish them. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Red, Red Dead Redemption 2 is probably the perfect example of that. Where it's yeah, a, exactly. It's a very important narrative that you have to experience. Yeah, like, if you don't experience this, you're not going to understand why all your friends are saying they're sad or they, like, they have feelings about this game or something. So you better finish it. Mm. Like, I think a big game that would say, like, yeah, okay, like, this is just a big, dumb game. Like, we're just, we're just, we're just kind of doing this, this thing. Um, you know, it's fun. Uh, finish what you will. Uh, it is a an enormous video game, and we admit that uh, it is uneven in terms of content uh, quality. Uh, have at it. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not our, it's not our tour work. Uh, yeah. As, as Hollow Knight is, it is. It is just like it's just a video game. Yeah. This that is the bag of mixed sweets. Like. You're going to enjoy some. You're going to throw some out, or you know whatever. Right. But it's all but, good. But the idea is like, oh no! Even hunting the rare cougar in Red Dead is like, is that that's something that you have to experience? It's like, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Yeah, and I mean, I think that was one of the things I was doing very close to when I just went, ah, oh, you know, uh, which is like, 
doing those challenges where I, you have to get three perfect rabbit pelts or what have you. And it's like, oh, <laughs> right. I have to spend half an hour finding a perfect rabbit in the first place, right? Like just doing this, I'm like hunched over, just grinding my teeth, going like, you know, where is the big serious narrative? Because right now I'm, I'm hunting these, these challenges because I have to do them early on or else I miss the future challenges, which kind of give me all these bonuses that I'll need for the main, for the main game. Right, exactly. You're just, yeah, it's, it, it truly becomes like, it becomes the worst kind of reading practice where like what you're doing is you're not actually enjoying any element of the narrative or the, the, you know, the, the form or whatever. All you're doing is like checking off various boxes that the author has arbitrarily given to you. That's right. And the, and the effect of this is that it feeds back into the narrative to say, well, if you're not doing these checkboxes, you're not experiencing the narrative correctly. Yeah, did you did you do all the stuff that we asked you to do? Like, is that yeah, why you, have didn't you like done it? the thing? Because I see you don't have um, you don't have Arthur Morgan's you know badger hat, <laughs> so. and it really won't come full circle unless you know because we've got this NPC that notices <laughs> and says, "Oh, that's a nice badger hat," um, and you won't get that right. Like we that that cost forty thousand dollars to implement, and you won't get that unless you're doing these optional challenges, which are optional as we mentioned, um, but. You know, and it just becomes this. You, uh, I know you were talking about this with um, with Alex. You know, it's this checklist of checklists, right? Where you end up with just multiplying, fanning out checklists, and it doesn't come about it because these, there's these things that you're holding into your holding onto in your mind, where you're going, "I would like to experience that," like happens in Hollow Knight, where you've got this list of things where it's like, "Oh, I really want to work out what's going on with that." It's like, no, no, I've got to. There is a literal checkbox here. I've got to tick this actual literal checkbox. Yeah, and it's it, it's not like in Hollow Knight, it basically is like... So one of the things I really like about Hollow Knight is that you... <clears throat> if you start Hollow Knight and you're 30 minutes into Hollow Knight and you hate Hollow Knight, um, you can feasibly say... I don't know how you could, but say you do. Um, you can totally reasonably say that you're not going to enjoy it. It's not going to like... It's not one of those things where it's like... Well, you got to finish it before you know if you enjoy it or not. This yeah, is something it's, that it's uh, very clear about what it is, right? Which which is because it's an effective piece of work. Like this is something that people. Uh, I don't know if you follow her or not, but uh, Dia Lucina um, <clears throat> is no, like a, a a critic of video games, and she uh, she has a lot of criticisms. Um, she's also a native person. Um, uh, she she has a lot of criticisms of Red Dead based like on its treatment of natives of uh, of indigenous people um rightly so <laughs> yeah but a lot of people get very upset with her uh, as you'd expect she's a woman and she's writing about race and video games um but a lot of people get upset with her and it seems as if like people don't want to actually engage on the terms of her argument but a lot of times they're like uh it looks to me like you didn't play the game enough which yeah, is, yeah that, that's right like, you're not exp- you're not experiencing this art in the correct way it's like a truly insane way to talk about art. Like, Absolutely. Can you imagine any other point in history where it's like, oh, uh, you didn't like this book? Well, uh, did you spend 40 hours reading it? Yeah. Like, no one says that. Everyone for the for like all of history has been like, okay, I got to show my audience that this is what I'm doing so they know if they like it or not. And I can just like, you know, get the people who like my work. Like this is like the Odyssey was that. But now we're sort of like, okay. Um, in order to understand if you like Rockstar's latest game, you're going to have to put some serious time in. Yeah, and, and what a what a what if you get to the end of that and you worked out that <laughs> didn't you didn't like enjoy it. it, right? Like, 
what a oh. what a horrible feeling that would be. Yeah. They just like, oh, oh geez. <laughs> this was a really long, long period of my life that I just spent doing something I really, really didn't have to and don't like. Yeah. Yeah, what a nightmare. And it, it like to me, it, it's always it's hard for me now because um, you know the playing video games is almost as much my job as anything at this point, um, which is fine. I mean, it's great. I'm certainly not complaining by any means. But the you know the part of that means that okay, I can play a video game, and even if I hate it, um, and I've spent ninety hours playing it, I can say something about it, or it goes into my sort of like canonical series of games that I, I know and can speak to. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. so there's something to that. I've I've done something. And again, we're sort of talking about useful time versus non-useful time again. But it is so hard to imagine doing something for that long, not having any use, and then not enjoying it. Like it almost feels. It almost feels in a world with like so little leisure time that almost feels like an actual like. And I, this is going to sound dramatic, but maybe maybe not. But it actually is tragic in a certain way. <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, like I, you think of what what you could have done with your with your youth, right? Oh, yeah. sure. Who doesn't? Why, why did I spend two thousand hours playing World of Warcraft? Like, it it never occurred to me that I could be doing something that I truly, legitimately enjoy, right? Like, but this was the this was the thing that was in the particular treadmill that was currently you know running under my feet, and so that's what I did. Right. Um, because you've got to run on the treadmill. Because what else are you going to do? Oh yeah, and like as a kid, you always think like, well, there's only like three things I could be doing right now. Um, yeah, and especially if you're a kid who doesn't want to do illegal things. Like if you're a wuss, like I was. Um, then I mean, jeez. <laughs> well, but oh, yeah, well, I mean, but if you're talking about like smoking weed or whatever, then that doesn't help. That absolutely, I guarantee, you, does not <laughs> does not help the matter. It doesn't. Oh well. No, 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 no. I've been I've been holding a torch so gonna, for <laughs> just just kidding. Yeah, uh, yeah th- no. there's this. Um, I, I've this may be like spoiling a lot of a lot of things for you, but when you uh, when you smoke weed, uh, it turns out what you want to do is sit down and play two thousand hours of World of Warcraft. <laughs> I was to understand that when you smoke weed, you become a super genius. No, I'm I'm not sure it's well understood yet. I'm sure there's studies yet to come, but I mean, very few people have smoked weed, so that's the. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing this to our attention. Um, no, I, like, it's, you know, I, it's one of those things where you look at it and you think, like, okay, um, you do stuff in your in your youth and, and some of it you look back on and you think, like, that was a good treadmill and some of it you look back on and you think that was a bad treadmill and you have no way of discerning what those treadmills were at the time. Like, no, yeah, absolutely not. Like, I shouldn't have, you know spent 120 hours playing Final Fantasy twelve. I should have... I, it was good, though, that I, you know, spent probably three times as much in a band. Like, that was that's something that I took with me, and, like, that's a memory that I really like and yeah. has given me skills that I'm happy with. But, like, you don't know. And as an adult, you kind of do, I guess. <laughs> or you can. You should be able to discern, like, this is going to be valuable to me as a person. Yeah. But as we sort of discussed, like... We don't have those skills anymore. We aren't able no, to sort and, of say that. And and you know, again, like um, this, I, I think gaming can still be that that good thing, right? Yeah, um, I think gaming sure. can be something that that can be 
um, appreciated that sort of expands your your ideas of, of what's possible or what's enjoyable or that sort of thing. Um, but it, it has to be um, the right the right games, and you have to give yourself permission to get off of that that treadmill. Right, and that's um, permission is a really really good way of saying it. Yeah, yeah, and and I think one way to get around that is to maybe, um, you know, I, I think stop stop thinking of things in 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 terms of hours per dollar, right? And just. Yeah. And just Definitely. buy that indie that indie game that's twenty bucks, right? Or the double A games, right? Which which you know I've I've really been appreciating in the last couple of couple of years. You know that are at I'm not sure US forty dollars. I don't know what your price scale. Sure, are, yeah, yeah, but yeah. no, that's that's right. Yeah, um, and and here they'd be sixty dollars instead of you know ninety dollars or, or or something like that. And and you know, I think give yourself permission to to feel. Um, feel joy at something instead of having to go. Well, this is an experience that I have to that I have to get through. And I'm kind of looking back on the games that I've beaten recently, and um, there aren't many big AAA titles that I've actually completed recently, right? Mm-hmm. Because of scale, maybe. But there's a lot of games. There's a lot of shooters that I've just started playing and then just stopped immediately because it's a campaign that has been placed there by rote that it's just this thing that they've been playing along the rules to and they've they've created this campaign because you've got to have it and, and yeah it's just you. uninteresting sure whereas the games that i that i've that i've actually completed that have now that i have practically infinite games access to games right uh, i have more games than i have time um are games that that are that are wonderful and they kind of make you smile and, and enjoy yourself and that that's really underappreciated so sort of looking through um I'm going to say it's wrong. Gorogoa, did you? Oh, Gorogoa is lovely. I love that. It's game. wonderful. It's it's a lovely little game, right? It's going to cost you ten dollars to pick up or, or what have you, and it's this wonderful little thing that you can beat in an hour and then never come back to. Yeah, and you don't ever okay. have to come back to it. And if you want you to, you're just to coming come back, back to experience to the story again, and that's okay. That's right. um, I'm going to going to talk around and leave leave a couple till the later till the end. But like Titanfall two, that that had an eight hour campaign or something like that. People really was, liked that campaign too. Have you played it? I have not. I played. I played the multiplayer when it was free. I, I enjoyed it. I was very bad at it, so I stopped. Um, so, to me, the campaign shares more in common with Psychonauts okay. than it does with, um, like Call of Duty Eight, whatever it is now. Um, I haven't played a Call of Duty game in a very long time, right? But, they're, but, they're only at four for Black Ops, but I think the actual Call of I mean, if you count them up, definitely eight. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's just full of these wonderful surprises where you go, oh, I, I had no idea that that was that was unexpected, and mechanics that kind of are interesting and that sort of thing, which I would kind of put distinct to like the nuke dropping in Call of Duty Four, which while you know a surprising moment, didn't have any real ramifications for gameplay or, or, or what have you. Whereas Titanfall sure. Two is constantly bringing that stuff up. Um, Uncharted Four, I thought was like a an absolute wonder um and and was dedicated to presenting you new and uh interesting and 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 enjoyable things to interact with and do um but to do some research for for today's podcast i at like eight o'clock in the morning this morning i bought obra din oh what a, what a great game what a joy i'm i'm like i'm nine 
nine I was going to apologize sold. to make you do research, but I actually am so happy you had to buy Oprah Din for it. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what, um, a, what a great game. What, what a great game and, and what a surprising game that you just go, oh, oh, like, I, I would never have thought of this. This is not a, not a thing that, that I, I would have expected. And that's what you want from art, right? That's what you right. want from things that you, ex- that you experience. And if it's just going to be something that you, that you experience for the sake of experiencing, even though it's, you know, the 10th Assassin's Creed game, I feel like I'm, I'm being mean. I really enjoy the Assassin's Creed games, but it's the only thing that I can think of. That's a good like, example. I mean, they're definitely, I'm they're definitely the same wrote, thing again. Like, even if you enjoy them. I, I've talked to, like, the biggest fans of those games, and they will, will tell you that, yeah, there's, like, you kind of expect what's going to happen. <laughs> like, it's not, yeah. you're not getting surprised by Assassin's Creed games. That's that's exactly right, um, and it kind of um, and there's a couple more that like so the game that I would say that I have enjoyed um, probably the most intensely in the last ten maybe twenty years is Journey. Okay. Um, I absolutely adored Journey, and I don't think that there's maybe. And Journey is a very specific thing because it's you're joined by another co-op player anonymously with no way to communicate and the sort of journey, quote-unquote, that you undertake is probably very individual to you and your, you and your partner. Mm-hmm. But I came away at the end just gobsmacked. It took about two and a half hours to, to beat, so it's probably not value for money as far as, you know, that, that metric goes again. Um, Which I mean, let's just say once once again, just for the people in the cheap seats, is a terrible metric. Is a terrible metric. <laughs> it's that, the that's worst. right. But it truly made me feel something, right? Like emotions that are, that weren't um, insincere, but they're not um, not melodramatic or anything like that. It's 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 they're things that I can't even put my finger on because there's no language to it. There's nothing. Um, there is no no real like scene of, of sadness or or, um, or conflict or, or what have you. It just is this thing that is all its own and then it ends. And I go, well, that's, that's something that I've not seen before and I probably won't see again. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that's, I mean, that's very much like Oberdin too, where it's like you, I, I don't know, Oberdin, Oberdin took me some time and it will, it will take you some time too. Like it, it's a, especially towards the end where you're, where you're figuring out all of the various people and who they mm-hmm. are and what happened to them and et cetera. Like there are, you know, 15 or 16 of them, I would say, that for me were fairly clear. And then the rest were like quite difficult. Um, yeah. And that's fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun deductive game and it takes you a while. But it's not as if like it's a 30, 40 hour game. It's, you know, 15 maybe. Um, but it's great, like, and and you'll never see anything like it again. I, I played a really like weird indie game called a uh, uh, New Ice York recently. That was very much the same way. It was very very unlike anything I've ever played before. It was really fun. It lasted about four hours, and that's all it was. And like, I, I think like that sense of novelty is something that maybe uh, you know. I don't know, like maybe maybe one of the reasons we had so much so much novelty back in the older days is because everyone was playing around with new graphic systems and new and like yeah. gra- new graphic systems would literally open up different ways of being able to play video games. Like, and know. also nobody knew what they were doing. Yeah, exactly. Either. Like no, nobody truly knew what they were doing. 
And now we're very comfortable. Like, I feel like there's a very comfortable series of genres that people understand. Like, oh, we're doing an open world game. We're doing this. We're doing that. Like, I, I, can, yeah. I can feasibly tell you what the Harry Potter open world game is going to be like. I've, I've not played it. I mm-hmm. Obviously, I've barely even seen any screenshots of it. But, like, I can tell you I would be fairly comfortable predicting exactly what that game's going to be like. And I don't think, I don't think I'd be wrong. And that's just because we are all very comfortable about making a, of how we make open world games now. And it's yeah. just not a, it's not a, it's never a question of like, well, how are we going to do this? It's a question of like, okay, what, what's the next topic? Yeah, that, that's, that's right. The, the, the methods don't change, but the, the subject does. Right. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's like, it's like superhero movies in a way, like, you know, okay. Um, this isn't going to be a different movie, but this movie is going to be about Cloak and Dagger. So be sure to see it if you like Cloak and Dagger. It'll be, it'll be the Spider-Man movie you just saw, but it's going to involve a couple of different characters. Yeah, and I mean, this, this may be being a bit unfair to game developers because making games is very, oh, super very hard. difficult. Um, but, but the you, disappointment you to, can be there, I think. <laughs> that, that's right, and games, and games need to be made for the right reason, right? You have to be making a game because it's something that you truly want to see brought into this world, not because it, it needs to be delivered. Like, it's an investment that needs to be delivered upon. Um, which is definitely the approach that, that Lucas Pope took with Obra Dinn. Um, he did, fortunately, well enough out of Papers, Please um, to be comfortable enough to make the game that he um, wanted to make and played around with it until it sort of um, was something that was both unique and uh, enjoyable. And that's a very difficult thing to do. But Obra Dinn took four years to make. It's like... Yeah. A, <laughs> A massive overta- undertaking for a yeah. single person. Yeah, yeah, for for a game that occurs on a single boat, um, with with very little content. No company um, in the world would greenlight it. Like absolutely, you, you would never get it made. That's right. That's right. And and that's and that's the problem. And and I, I don't know what the um, what the sort of um, spark in the tinderbox will need to be for this to occur. Um, Again, like it used to, where people were just making weird, strange games because they didn't know what else to do. Um, but I'd really like to like to see that. And I think, for me, the hope lies in the double A. Um, perhaps um, I think indies sort of get things get things started. Where we saw, you know, certainly Braid kick off a whole bunch of um, amazing mm-hmm. developments. Um, and then I, I'd like to see those concepts and those ideas sort of then start to be made into double-A uh, games where the budgets are smaller and the risks are higher because the budgets are smaller. Because I don't think that there's much... You know, people talk about um, Red Dead 2 being like an auteur game, but there's not many of those. And there's certainly no others made for over $100 million. Right, sure. And I, I think, like, you know, one of the things that, that strikes me about our earlier conversation about time and, 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 and leisure, like, I think one of the things that's going to have to happen is, you know, not just being able to accept that, um, you know, taking time to yourself, taking time away from work, having unproductive time. It's not just that we're going to have to accept that that's okay. Obviously that's part of it. But like, I think the other part of it is we're going to have to accept that, you know, not only is it okay, but it's also, not something you can just check off a box. Like you can't just say like, okay, um, I've, I've established, you know, 
90 hours of leisure time for myself. I've done my self-care. I've made sure I drank some water or whatever my aloe app told me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Um, and, and that, I mean, that's exactly what happens when you, when you say like, okay, I need this video game to be 90 hours. They said it's going to be 90 hours. All the blogs say it's going to be like this long. Yeah. It's I've taken be... time off work to, to do this. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, I've done my self-care. I've, I've been a gamer. I have my identity. I've, I've done the right thing and I'm, I'm, you know, good. I'm, I'm through with that. That was great. Um, mm-hmm. Or not great. It doesn't really matter. It's just time that I spent and it's time, time that, that I, I budgeted. Off. Yeah, yeah, right. And like, I think what's going to have to happen is to realize like, no, it's not about, it's not about budgeting time. It's about, it's about doing something that gets you some sort of different satisfaction than what you get from work. Yeah. Um, and I, I think like we're still at a place where it's very taboo to suggest that there is some sort of like different satisfaction than you can get from work. Um, it makes you feel like, okay, you're just like a liberal arts major or something, right? Like it, it, but it's not, it's not just that. I mean, maybe it's partially that maybe that's where I'm coming from on this. Who knows? But you know, it's, it's, it's about finding something that makes you feel fulfilled, not just because you're putting time into it. That's right. And if it's not fulfilling you, you should have permission to walk away from it. Yes, absolutely. Both, Both in your own mind and socially to say, Oh, you know, you didn't, you didn't stick with Red Dead Two, you know. Well, then, what are you, do, what are you doing, right? Like, what are you even doing? Well, I wanted to do something else. I wanted to, do, I wanted to garden, right? I didn't even, I, it wasn't, it wasn't working for me, so I, I, I stopped playing games for a little while, and I did something else that I enjoyed, and then right, I came back yes. to games because it's the thing that I enjoyed, right? Like, if you're, because the goal, the goal should be enjoyment. It's not masturbation. It doesn't. It's not. It's not like. It's not a sin to enjoy yourself, right? Like, um, it's. I'm, it I'm be, glad that you're coming out against masturbation. If that's right. Well, look, um, we didn't really talk about this beforehand, but I was kind of seeing if we can angle this into an anti-masturbation uh, oh, podcast. Yeah, no, sure, sure. No, I, um, I'm glad you brought it up now. Um, yeah. Um, but you, like, but your, your goal, it's okay for your in goal to be enjoyment. And like you said, not just time spent. Right. And that's what we should be aiming for with with gaming right like it shouldn't it shouldn't be about how long or short it is how um you know whether you did it right or whether you incorrectly did it and it seems trite to say but it's still i think important to say that the goal should be enjoyment mm-hmm. no, i don't think that's trite at all like i think i think it's something that needs to be said especially now that i mean especially now that the the I'm trying to think of the the way to say this that doesn't make me sound like a curmudgeon, but like, you know, the, the mission that people have undertaken to make games serious, like the mission that people have undertaken to make it okay to play video games. Like, you know, this is, yeah. this is something that grownups do. Like, I don't have to be ashamed for what I do here. Just making it very serious for the sake of being serious. Like this is art, what I'm doing right now. Like, please do not call it uh, silly. This is not frivolous. It's very important. Um, and then just having no sense of what that would mean. Like the only way you can understand it being important is like, well, it costs a lot of money and a lot of man, man hours. And it's going to take me like as long as reading a novel to finish. Yeah. And there's <laughs> like some titties this. in it. Yeah. There's something, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, dad, it's pretty normal to like this. Um, and like, I feel like maybe gamers should take a page from their arch rivals, uh, in in um you know sports fans uh who i you know 
this is my other identity as a, as a guy who loves sports, but like, there's nothing serious about sports. <laughs> no one, yeah. no one has ever tried to make a like a serious narrative out of. I mean, they they try to make like frivolous narratives. People will try to say like this team wants it more or whatever, but like. No one's like, okay, so you have to watch the the you know the nineteen seventy two season of the NFL or like the EPL only works if you watch the first six seasons and get the real backstory and then you can pick yeah. up wherever. Like, yeah, you're not you're not really enjoying baseball if you're not doing all the stats in your brain the whole time. Right. Yeah, and like people will say that, but like at the same point it's like, yeah, okay, you know. People enjoy baseball in all sorts of different ways, and even like the heaviest stat heads are like, "Yeah, you know, I just I, I want my team to win," yeah. which is is beyond uh, beyond most I think gaming fans to be able to say like, "I played I played Red Dead because I wanted the good Cowboys to win, <laughs> and I wanted the bad Cowboys to lose." Oh, why is this so complex? <laughs> why can't they just be black and white? Why can't, why can't it be Custer's Revenge over and over and over? Again? <laughs> Uh, but no, I think like I, you know, it, it's not like it can't be art. It's not like video games can't tell good stories or you should stop trying. But like there is room for just having a good time. Yeah. And, and I think, um, like you said, like ga- games can be art. And I think after, um, you know, Braid and we saw that sort of um, indie explosion, yes. there are a lot of games that were very serious. Um, and, and I don't want to like downplay them because i haven't played a lot of them but you know it comes to mind like this war of mine yeah um or um that dragon cancer i think is the name like I, oh again, yeah i, I don't think i'll ever play this dra- that dragon this dragon cancer it's just it's a little too much for me that that that's right and and you know i, I think for for a while there was it was important for and I feel shitty now because um, I believe there was you know, a lot of personal connection to cancer in that game. But let's oh, talk sure. About this no, more. it's not a bad game or like an un- yeah. untoward project or something. But that, that's right. But but this this thought that oh no, you know, games games should be serious, right? right. It's better if they are art. Um, and, and it's like, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's if that's like true, true everywhere, right? Like like with movies, you can enjoy. Um, Schindler's List and The Raid, and hold those, you know, <laughs> maybe not those in a, two maybe not in a double mind. feature, but maybe not in a double feature, um, <laughs> or maybe that would be an extremely <laughs> grueling double feature. Hang on, now, um, now I'm rethinking this. <laughs> really gonna, I'm um, gonna, but, I'm gonna put my movie theater, my my drive through on the map. But it um, is totally, it's totally okay for movies to be silly and for sports to be silly, and it should be, it should be for games as long as you're enjoying them. Yeah, I agree. And I think like this is, you know, you, you see you see the problem with this when you get games like um Oh, and I've kept you long enough. We can we can we can call it a, a pretty soon, but like you know, you you see this with games like uh, Far Cry 5. Like Far Cry 5 tried so hard mm. to be serious mm-hmm. and it like all the serious beats just felt like very very undeserved and very very overwrought. Like yeah. Like uh, what what is this story? What are we supposed to feel? Like why do I feel gravitas here? And then all the stupid parts in the game were super great. Like, like, oh, cool. I get a sidekick who's a giant bear and I can ride them. And, uh, and oh yeah, like when we find enemies, the bear will maul them. 
and the bear's name is Peaches, and it's really nice. <laughs> it's like, okay, good. Like, I like this. They lean into yeah, that you, a little bit more. That's, that's fine. right. You don't, yeah, you, you could probably just leave the, the serious commentary to people that are perhaps better at it. Yeah, right. Just exactly. do the silly stuff. And that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's why it, you don't feel bad about saying, uh, like, the, the My Dragon Cancer thing, because it's like, or this Dragon Cancer, like, yeah, okay, this Dragon Cancer probably isn't for me because, like, I just, that's a little heavy for me. But, like, they did it and they produced a really important game out of it. And, like, mm-hmm. they spoke to their own personal experiences and it was a good narrative as a result. Like, no one's asking, no one's asking for, like, Metal Gear Cancer or something like no one. No one needs that. No one needs like a, you know, the next Call of Duty game to be like, oh, my real battle ended when I came home from the war and I got you know, Parkinson's. <laughs> no, no one needs that. No one needs that 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 narrative. You can you can do your dumb shooter and like just make yeah. it fun. Yeah, that, that's right. But and and uh, it feels like something like Far Cry Five is the worst of both worlds. Yes, absolutely. The, the serious part is just totally illegitimized by the fact that you are, um, you know, trawling through this thing that is. Um, you know, this mega content game, um, which is very, very specifically and very, um, uh, very uh, orthodox um, the way that, like, an open world game should be, right? You can't, you can't challenge um, people in a, in a narrative sense, I think, if what you're doing is, is just another open world Tickathon, right? Which is why these right, games, yeah, it's truly think, unchallenging content. Absolutely. That's right. Why and why these little games, whose mechanics and and their and their narrative and their structure are all intimately linked. You know, your your Garagoa, especially. You know, something like that, or Journey, or Oberdin, or Loom, um, or a big big Loom fan. Um, Loom's great. Do an entire, the, the uh, old entire episode Loom. on Loom. What's that? Sorry, the, the old, old one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's a great game. Brilliant game. Not, not what I expected you to say. But I, was, I was a little thrown off. I was like, "Loom, oh wow, okay." Where people are like, "Oh, this isn't a real, this isn't a real adventure game." It's like, no, it's it, this is this is narratively and structurally and gameplay wise what it needs to be. And you can't uh, you can't tick that box if you're also ticking the gigantic waste of time box at the same time. Right. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. I think like maybe that's the problem. Maybe we. Maybe it's like the problem on both ends where we've so we've so sort of optimized our lives that you kind of I mean and I'm 100% guilty of this. Like I looked ahead and you know you look ahead and you see like the upcoming releases and it's like oh sweet I'm going to have to play Sekiro because that's the kind of game I like and I'm going to have to play this cuz that's the kind of game I like and this is I'm going to have to play cuz that's the kind of game I like. And yeah. We aren't really leaving ourselves open to just like doing something fun (laughs) yeah and doing the thing doing the thing that you think you're going to enjoy at any any one point in Mm -hmm. time right and if that's playing um you know a hundred hours of game that 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 like kind of that you need to get through then that's then that's fine but it's okay to put it down it's okay to not get a game until it comes out on sale it's okay to go back to an old game that you've already beaten because you think you're going to enjoy it Mm -hmm. because it, like you said, like your time is not something that needs to be specifically allocated and then wasted away, right? Like you don't, yeah. you don't need to feel the obligation to, to do these things and to spend, spend time in a particular way. Um, if you want to spin the roulette on your Steam library 
and go and, and play a game because that's what you think you'll enjoy for an hour, uh, even though it's not important or it's not, um, you know, uh, a game that costs $400 million to make, then I think that that's um, a perfect use of your time. It's, I mean, it's, it's the, and I, I don't mean to, to trivialize it, uh, this isn't, and I don't think this is a trivial, exa- trivial example, but it's, it's the, it's the, I, I believe he's a friend of your podcast as well, Marvin. Um, boner man, boner yeah. man incorporated, like uh, the, mm-hmm. the, um, the shower with your dad simulator, it, like was one of the most sort of like d- the most dumb and fun things I've played. And it's like, okay, yeah, I had a, I had a great time playing it. Um, I did too. <laughs> it's like, and it, I, just because I can't it's, imagine, you know, a Schindler's list shower with your dad simulator 2015, no. uh, back to back. Sure. And Double I can't, feature. I can't imagine like Goragoa in that back to back. I mean, Goragoa is trying to do something serious in a way. It's about mm-hmm. war. It's about trauma and like, you know, all that stuff is in there. But like you look at that and you're thinking like, well, there's literally no reason anyone should play this. And the point is like, once you start thinking about like, well, what's the reason someone should play this outside of like, it sort of made me smile for a little bit or it did something to me that I kind of liked or whatever, like unless you're kind of approaching it that way, I don't really know what you're doing with art. Like it, again, I guess, I guess this is the last time I'll say it because I know I'm just repeating myself, but like imagining myself thinking the way that I sometimes catch myself doing with video games about like a museum is just so deeply depressing. Like, Oh, should I go to the, the, the contemporary art museum? I don't know. Like, is that worth my time? It's like, man, what a bummer. <laughs> Absolute yeah, that's waste. right. Go if you go if you want to go play Shower with your dad simulator if you want to play Shower with your dad simulator. Um and I I would highly recommend playing Yeah, I mean seriously. Uh, Shower with your dad simulator. It's a dollar. You should you should absolutely go play it. It's very very fun. So there you go. I think we've I think we've fixed it. Most games are a waste of time um and boring except for Shower with your dad simulator 2015. Yeah, and uh you know at Bonerman Incorporated on Twitter, uh, get him to get on the next get a, the next edition of it. We oh need... man, that guy's got to put out a game. His his finances are a total mystery to me. <laughs> and I know him quite well, so. Oh, um... <laughs> I you were just joking. Does he is no, he is he a full time dev? I mean, technically, I don't think he ever develops anything. All he ever seems to do is go to GDC and um, post Snapchats of him eating stuff in reverse and then saying a word. Um, I think technically he's developing. I'll have to ask him. It's like, I mean, he's a, that's just, that just makes him, um, an auteur. That's, that's right. (laughs) Truly an auteur. (laughs) Well, thank you, Theo. This is really good. I, I, um, it's been a while since I've thought about like labor and leisure time on the show. And I, this is exactly the way that I would, I would like to do it. I don't actually know if we've done a specific Holland episode either. Although I'm sure it's come up 800 times because it's been, you know, one of my favorite games. Um, is there anything you are doing? Obviously, Bunta. Um, yep. So that, that's that's about it. That's enough for one man. Um, so <laughs> yeah, Bunta you guys Vista put out enough content. Yeah. Um, so uh, we we release once a week about uh, Australian politics and uh, Reddit posts and um, movies and dick jokes. Um, now you can find us based on. Oh yeah, pl- please tell them where tell them where you can find mm, it before at, I make at Bunta Vista B double O N T A V I S T A. Free episodes and then pay the Patreon for every other episode. Um, and I'm on Twitter, but it's not monetized, so uh, who cares? You'll probably see me there anyway. Just go follow it. It's Ayn Randy, like uh, Ayn Rand, except with a Y. 
Like, I'm amazed I managed to snag that. It's very good. It's so good. Um, also, you may know him from uh, Take Me to Church. That's right. Um, the, the, the best tweet that we've seen yet. Um, so I was going to say, like, the, the, what, we, what I'm to understand based on the New York Times is that politics don't occur in Australia, that you guys are just actually, like, really apolitical and you just drink no, we're on the very, beach. we're very, very apolitical. Um, every episode... Um, we all introduce ourselves, we go around the table, and then we say, ah, oh, so what's in the news? Uh, and then there's about 30 seconds of crickets, and we, we close down. <laughs> so very very respectful of your time as well to keep in uh, the theme of today's episode. Well, you know, it's good. It's uh, definitely, if you, if you ever are in the need for an apolitical space, or um, I'm to understand a, a space to go to if you need cultural uh, asylum, uh, Australia is the place to go. Absolutely. We have, well, it is true that we have no culture. So she did have that right. <laughs> I've heard, heard good things about Marmite. Oh, God. I don't even know if that's Australian. Is it? Wait, it has I think to be British. Oh, no, well. We, we eat Vegemite here. Okay, okay. Gotcha. I don't know if I've had, I think I've had Vegemite and I don't think I like it, but I think I no, probably nobody, had it wrong. Nobody does. Everyone pretends to like it. Do you like it? Oh, I love it. All right. Well, uh, Theo, I hope I can get you back soon once your once your studies are over or when you have another break. Um, yeah, man, I had a blast. Yeah, no, it was really fun. Um, and uh, yeah, everyone, go follow Theo. Uh, go listen to Bunta Vista. You probably already do. It's a it's a well loved podcast for good reason. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Cool. Thanks, man. Thank you.